Welcome to the Cyber 24 podcast, the weekly pod dedicated to helping business and governmental leaders better understand the often intimidating topic of cybersecurity so you can make better decisions for your organization. My name is Marty Carpenter of 24.9. I work in strategic communications, public affairs, and government relations. I'm joined today by our expert cybersecurity panelist, panelist of one, panel of one, panelist, Anthony Boise from Sophos. How are you doing, Anthony? G'day, g'day, Marty. I am doing well. Thank you. How are you? I'm doing really well. Thanks so much. Always good to have you on the show. Hey, our topic and top story this week, a mind-boggling ransom paid by one of the largest producers of food or meat, in this case, in the entire world after they got hacked just about a week ago. Uh, Plus, I want to talk a little bit about the FBI's recommendation uh, to pay ransom or don't pay ransom, but either way to be in touch with them. We'll get to that a little bit later on in the show. But first, let's start with uh, JBS Meat, this uh, company that's the Brazilian-based company, largest meat producer in the world, got hit by ransomware. We talked about this on the show a little bit last week with Matt Sorensen, but news uh, out this morning that JBS uh, got itself back online and everybody back uh, at work, uh, workers back on the on the in the plants and uh, meat being you know packaged and produced. Uh, and it seems like they must have done that pretty quickly because they opted to pay. Uh, an $11 million ransom, uh, which they paid in Bitcoin. So I guess I would start by just saying this. I, I don't recall a ransom that we've talked about in an actual dollar amount so far uh, that was quite that high. So either I'm misremembering, Anthony, or uh, or that really is just a, a, a mind-boggling figure that they paid out at $11 million. No, you you you're right. I mean, this is a very very high number, and you know we have seen over the last we being Sophos, we have seen over the last year, um, specifically actually even over the the pandemic, and we put this out in in one of our threat reports that we do each year. Uh, we do a, a ransomware report as well as a threat report, and and uh, we have seen ransoms increase uh, uh, three to four fold. So. Um, they have they are continually increasing, but I'm talking about going from like the the tens of thousands into the early couple of hundreds of thousands. Now that's not the total cost of recovering from a ransomware event, right? With backups and and recovery and downtime, people time, and all that kind of good gear. That's just the ransom itself. And in this case, uh, it appears that the 11 million uh, is for the ransom. Mm-hmm. I did read somewhere, and I couldn't get enough information on this, so I may be going a little off of the factual uh, narrative here. But go with me on this. I read that, or it seems it's in my mind from somewhere, that they paid this $11 million after they already had their systems back up and running. So the only explanation I can think for that is that they had some backups, they could get back up online, but they they didn't want to wait to do that until they had necessarily plugged the holes, so they went ahead and paid it knowing that they may not be totally back in in safe position is is there any other reason that they would have paid the money even after they were already back up and running uh yeah i mean they they could be a couple of reasons so so one of the things that you just touched on then and so a couple of thoughts that go through my mind is either uh we could be having a case of that uh, they were only, only able to get partial amounts of data kind of like you're you're sort of alluding to as well uh, it could be a case of that 
hey, we don't want you to hit us again. Uh, one of the one of the challenges with any type of event, any type of compromise, is that there may still be a foot in the door. There may be still some kind of uh, toehold or or a repeat attack that happens after the fact, which is one of the reasons why uh, you know Sophos and and other organizations, other companies, cybersecurity companies, offer. Uh, rapid response type services or or manage threat response, um, manage detection response so that they can continue to monitor the environment after the fact and, uh, you know, looking for those those types of things. So, I mean, there could be a, a couple of different reasons here, but that was kind of one of my first thoughts is I wonder if this is payment for uh, the data that they couldn't recover themselves uh, and then potentially uh, maybe there was some kind of level of agreement saying, hey, don't come back. Yeah. That seems like a big leap of faith to take if it is the latter there, though, to say like, well, here's the money. Please don't steal from us again. Um, Boy, how do you put yourself in a position to trust someone who just extorted you for $11 million? Well, one of the things there is that there still is an honor code, which is I've mentioned this in the past about how kind of bizarre that that there is an honor code but there also has to be one uh, for the industry to stay alive and i'm talking about now the ransomware industry the the malicious actors for that to still be a thriving business they still have to produce some level of of performance and i'm not just talking about performing by ransoming but i'm also talking about performance in the sense of leaving like giving back data by by um uh, for instance, there's a group dark side. They they uh, uh, they're the ones that took down the pipeline. And uh, short version there is is part of their sort of public statement and their mission statement, if you will, is that we will not attack or go after um, uh, critical infrastructure type services. They're not going to go after healthcare. They're not going to go after you know, and so on. And and they've got a statement out there what they're not going to go after. Uh, but yet, what they can't control is the people actually carrying out the attack because they're not necessarily the, the group that potentially carrying out the attack. So the people go, um, carrying out the attack, they don't really have a good reign on them. And they're going after whatever they're going after and, and taking down whoever they take down. But the part of their, their mission statement, if you will, is they were saying that they're not going to go after these industries because they're in business to make money. They're not in business to I don't know, cause trouble. Uh, uh, yeah. Wait a second. People, um, right? like cause yeah, death. yeah, yeah, sure. They're, they're in business to make money. And so therefore, uh, they want to get paid. So by doing that, they're going to ransom your stuff. They're going to get paid. They're going to move on. Um, because if they don't, if they don't give back your data, then uh, you can very quickly, nobody pays. Yeah. Yeah, and I, I think it's also important. I, I mentioned right off the top of the show that $11 million seems like a high amount to pay. I, I don't mm-hmm. know how that necessarily fits in relative to the revenue for JBS and how much does it cost them every day to be offline. You know, I'm sure there was a mathematical calculation uh, in, in deciding to pay the ransom. I just think thinking through this situation from a business perspective, that's a dollars and cents decision. Um, the one that would be harder to justify is if you are taking a risk by saying, look, we're trusting them to some extent not to come back and hit us again. That one, if it blows up on you, is the kind of thing that tends to get chief executives fired. So I think that's one I'd want to be a little bit careful about. You know, this all comes just a couple of days after we learned the FBI was able to actually uh, recoup $2.3 million of the $4.4 million ransom paid by the Colonial Pipeline 
um, which I thought was really interesting. And we talked about it a bit last week that how surprising it is that they could get that money back. Um, maybe a different point to, to bring up on this though is that, and this was pointed out by the journalists at the Wall Street Journal, that this attack shows that hackers have shifted from targeting data rich companies like retailers, banks, and insurers, uh, to essential service providers like hospitals, transport operators, and food companies. I mean, that's, if you look at the pattern there, you say, Food supply, um, you know, we had the energy secretary come out and say that the energy grid is susceptible. Uh, we've had uh, fuel supply interrupted. Things that actually do make things go up in cost and have a, a relatively immediate ripple effect for most of the public. So it's interesting. You mentioned that there's sort of this honor among thieves and they're not shutting down hospitals, you know, their ability to actually, you know, treat people or whatever. But this does feel like they're expanding and, and maybe pushing up against those limitations that they they'd publicly proclaimed beforehand. Yeah, for sure. So you know, there's there's obviously different different groups and and so on. And and again, people who are carrying out the acts, right? It may not necessarily be the uh, be the prime prime focus or primary focus of the individuals that are creating the attacks and sort of creating the material and and uh, and creating the methods, but. Those that now go, the minions that go out and and go and carry out the work, uh, they themselves uh, may not necessarily uh, follow the same same level of um, of consideration for for that business uh, uh, model. Yeah. Now we have seen we have seen just as an example uh, in our our healthcare uh, cyber threat. Or, or state of ransomware for healthcare in 2021, we've actually noted, you know, we, we performed a survey uh, of 328 healthcare uh, IT managers of mid-sized organizations across 30 different countries across the globe. And we actually had seen just over a third, so about 34% uh, of, of these healthcare organizations that we hit with ransomware last year, uh, which is actually just a little bit uh, lower of 37%. Across uh, multiple different sectors across the globe, so uh, it was it was a little bit lower. That said, we've got some pretty interesting statistics uh, out of that, and and about uh, as I mentioned, I think it was about uh, paying the ransom only got, for instance, sixty nine percent of the data back, and and you know there's just some interesting statistics in there um, as it relates to. Uh, what these folks are doing, the malicious actors, what you're going to do when you're placed into that same kind of position. If you are, hopefully you're not. Um, but uh, it, it's worth a, it's worth a read nonetheless. Yeah, for sure. Hey, time to take a break. But first, a reminder: the Cyber Twenty Four podcast is presented each week by our friends at Valcom. Valcom is a Utah-based IT solutions and services provider with a drive for getting IT right. From ironclad security to computing and beyond, Valcom's 35-plus years means they have the experience and the expertise to help your business from desktop to the data center. Check them out at vlcm.com. Back with more on the Cyber24 podcast presented by Valcom right after this. You've seen the headlines. Every 39 seconds, there's a new attempted cyber attack in the U.S., as the threat landscape becomes more complex, the need for security operations is greater than ever before. It's time to put experts in your corner. For something as important as your organization's security, having a named engineer and analyst paired with you is critical. Arctic Wolf is a leader in security operations, utilizing a cloud-native security analytics platform to deliver security operations as a concierge service. 
Arctic Wolf's Security Operations Center as a service is always on guard with security experts monitoring your environments 24-7. Don't become the next headline. Learn more about Arctic Wolf's redefined cybersecurity approach at vlcmtech.com slash arcticwolf. That's vlcmtech.com slash arctic-wolf. With the increasing number of employees working remotely everywhere around the world, businesses are now looking at supporting a mostly, if not full, remote workforce. But just because security at the office is no longer a high priority, that doesn't mean that remote security should be overlooked or be difficult to manage. To enable remote work security at your business, Valcom recommends WatchGuard Automation Core. WatchGuard's automation security platform speeds up processes, kills threats, and empowers IT teams to do more with less. With WatchGuard, you can apply zero trust principles across networks and applications and help remote employees enable secure Wi-Fi networks. To learn more about remote work security, visit vlcmtech.com slash WatchGuard. That's vlcmtech.com slash WatchGuard. Welcome back to the Cyber 24 podcast presented by Valcom. We continue our discussion with Anthony Boise from Sophos. And Anthony, uh, I thought this was interesting. The FBI has... Maybe not officially, but a, a person of uh, sufficient rank at the FBI talked to the Wall Street Journal and essentially in the discussion came out and said, uh, we don't want companies to pay ransom when they're hit with ransomware, but if you do, we still want to know about it. Or in other words, at least in, as I interpret it, uh, we don't want you to pay ransom, but we know that not everyone's going to listen to us. And when you do pay ransom... We'd rather still work with you on it and understand about what happened with your with your attack than have you just not report it at all. And I, I wonder what your take is on that. It's, it seems like businesses are put in, a, in an impossible position when the federal government says don't pay the ransom uh, because a business really only cares and to a certain extent has a legal obligation to shareholders and so on to go and make the best financial decision for the company. So if it's not explicitly illegal to pay the ransom, uh, they're likely to go do that because that's the quickest route to get back to making money as opposed to letting the FBI kind of drag it out. I just wonder what your general thoughts are on all that, this impossible position that businesses find themselves in when they're hit with ransomware. Yeah, it, it really is tough. And you won't hear from me, do or don't. Uh, it's absolutely an individual or an organization's decision. Uh, you know, there's there's businesses out there that exist in helping you to to navigate through that process, helping you to be able to negotiate through that process. Uh, you know, to negotiate a lower ransom. Uh, you know, you've got cyber security insurance. And matter of fact, there's actually some cyber security insurance. That it's saying that they they may not pay out on ransomware events and and things like that. So uh, it it really is a hairy situation. And and I do know actually firsthand that the FBI they do want to hear about it. I've had some success, admittedly, working with the FBI uh, um, through one of our uh, our partners. Uh, we have uh, had a customer that was I say we there was a customer that they had that was hit and. Uh, short version is reached out to the FBI 
be able to there was able to be some some data sharing like an encrypted file sent to the FBI and then the FBI were able to uh, run a couple of different decryption keys that they had and something similar that they've seen whether it's the file extension or the type of encryption used and they were able to provide the key and therefore uh, prevent the need of for for paying the ransom and so uh, but then at the same token I've had another I've been involved in another phone call and conversation where, uh, unfortunately, that was not the case and the FBI hadn't seen this before and so on. But yet, being able to work with them and get them the information and, uh, again, whether you paid it or not, uh, the ransom, that is, uh, being able to uh, to get them some encrypted files, to be able to get them as much intel as they can possibly have, definitely aids them in, in being able to help out sort of from a greater good perspective. Yeah, this is a problem that continues to grow. And in fact, I think that the trends show that it's going to continue to to get worse, certainly before it gets better. In fact, uh, CNBC had a piece out this week where experts had essentially said that, that they've warned we have not seen the worst of the ransomware attacks. And they they cited a couple of interesting statistics. Um, One of them's always got to do with the dollars and cents, right? That cyber attack victims uh, paid out about $350 million worth of cryptocurrency. Uh, in 2020, a 311% increase compared with the previous year, and that ransomware has now grown into a multi-billion dollar industry with roughly 85% of America's critical infrastructure privately owned. They say the private sector is not required to follow the same strict cybersecurity guidelines set by the government, and that actually makes the private sector a prime target for hackers. So, you know, I, I would never pose the question to you, geez, how do we solve this? Can you go solve this problem that nobody else seems to solve, Anthony? But uh, I would say that it, it, it appears from all the trends that it's going to get worse. And if, if if you wipe away all the statistics and say the only one you really need to see is that it, there are successful attacks on targets that have deep pockets and they are paying out. That's sort of what we've talked about through the show so far. And as long as that is the pattern, there's no incentive for uh, cyber criminals to stop what they're doing. It's so true. Um, it's uh, a supply and demand thing. It's a, you know, they're, they're going to go where the money's at and there is a lot of money. And mm-hmm. it is the, the tough thing is trying to tell these organizations not to pay their ransom, yet they're not the ones being ransomed. Right, it's 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 uh it's such an impossible battle. Uh, so so this is where the call goes out. The call goes out to all those listening. We have gone through in some previous pods a response plan. We have gone through certain things that organizations should look for, should implement, should do to help lower the chances of of an attack. Uh, there is nothing out there bulletproof, and we've said this in the past, um, but the there are things that are uh, known to to lower the chances of of being hit and hopefully avoid. Prevention is always better than the cure because at the end of the day, to your point, Marty, the ransomware threat actors, they're going to continue to innovate their technology is going to get better. They're, they're going to continue to be uh, relentless in their efforts uh, to, to chase the dollar. And while we continue to pay, they're going to continue to have success. 
and uh, and continue to thrive. They're going to continue to to grow. And these groups, they they've moved from just ransoming. They they have also moved into to data theft, right? So they're continually evolving and changing their approach so that even if you say, ha-ha, we've got backups, we're not paying, they go, well, ha-ha, we're going to release your personal and private data out to the to the web. And and now they're holding you hostage again. And so in a roundabout way, they've, they've again, they're relentless. Yeah. Well, you can see where the trend line's going, but you can also understand that for businesses, this ultimately... There will be a point of, of awareness, right? Every time there is an event like this that catches some headlines, more business leaders understand that this is a threat that they have to take seriously with their business. And it doesn't take a real genius to look and say, hey, the risk is maybe spending $11 million, for example, on a ransom. And what if we spend... What if we take instead of that and knowing that's a threat and we've got our, you know, cyber insurance and all that in place? What if we take $2 million and put it to an increased security spending by $2 million? Then, you know, it take, it would take you five years after you've gone five, almost six years by, by the time you'd uh, gone through that kind of burn rate to where you would have spent essentially the equivalent on, on ransom. So at, at this point, I think there are still some businesses that probably look at it and say, we're going to do the best we can on the budget that we that we feel is appropriate, and uh, and and we're going to sort of hope that we're not the ones who get hit for that big of a dollar, because the dollars and cents work out. But there will come a point, perhaps at least according to the trend line we're seeing, where that tips in the different direction, and people say, "Hey, for my business, I got to just I got to I got to put the uh, money into being uh, bulletproof as bulletproof as I can be and protecting myself." Yeah, it's the difference between, um, or I should, I should actually say, the challenge is is myself working for a cybersecurity company, and I come in and I have a discussion with an organization, or I speak with, I speak uh, on the pod, right, and and mm-hmm. reach uh, the the listening ears. It's one thing hearing from me that this is a possibility, uh, and you want to avoid this at all costs. Uh, at which point. There's no real association. There's no real kind of like, well, what does that actually mean? And and it's not going to happen to me and, and so on. It's very different hearing it from their peers, a.k.a. another organization in in from the industry and and seeing these real dollar amounts actually being being thrown down. Uh, again, it's one thing me saying, hey, the ransomware payments have gone up to 250,000 and uh, on on average. And then there's another thing where JBS comes out and they paid 11 million, right? So um, don't get me wrong, I'm not, I'm not uh, at all even remotely uh, happy or pleased that this is happening. The thing that it does, like you said, is it brings awareness. I'm grateful for the awareness so that uh, organizations can start taking some of those steps like you identified and therefore hopefully become closer to being bulletproof and and avoid such a pain. Yeah. Great insight as always, Anthony. We appreciate you uh, taking some time to share your perspective and help us understand what's going on behind some of these headlines. Thank you very much for having me as always. It's great to be on the pod. As we wrap up for this episode, I want to thank our sponsors at Valcom. At Valcom, you get much more than a dedicated IT retailer. They become an extension of your IT team. Whether you're a startup or an enterprise, Valcom has the technical sales and engineering expertise to make your business more effective 
and more productive. Check them out at VLCM.com. That's VLCM.com. Special thanks as well to our supporting partners, the Utah Department of Technology Services, the Kim C. Gardner Policy Institute, our friends at Secuvant, the Utah Attorney General's Office, and the Utah Department of Public Safety. You can follow us on Twitter at Cyber24 underscore, or you can follow us on Facebook as well. Hit us up in either place to let us know what you think, or if you have a topic you'd like us to discuss, you can also rate and review the podcast on Apple Podcasts. Thanks, everyone, and stay safe online.